0: Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info@capitalchurch.co. At well, it is man. It's good to be back with you, church. Uh, come on how, how many fired up to be here today? <laughs> Nothing like a little Kanye before I get up to preach? I kind of feel like I need to like reintroduce myself so i haven 't been here for what about four weeks um, uh, we haven't my wife and I have not uh, taken a sabbatical we uh, i 've been sick actually i 've been the sickest i 've ever been in my life, and so I just want to thank you for all your prayers. I want to thank you for the text messages. Again, just they're so encouraging. Thank you for all the cards, <clears throat> the note cards and the money. Keep that coming. Um, no, we love you. And man, how many of you just, I, I just, you guys are amazing. And I love this church. And uh, have you ever missed church for maybe a week or two and you just feel like, man, I got to stink and get back to church? All right, So it's so good to be back here um, with you. Again, thank you for your continued prayers for me. I'm almost done with all the sickness, uh, but I'm ready to go here um, today. Uh, as I transition, uh, I'm going to spend about three hours since I haven't been here for um, a month. Uh, I, I do want to talk about, if, if you're taking notes, I'm going to write, or the title of my message is called The Spiritual Church, or we could... A derivative derivative of that would be like a spirituals church. I'm going to explain that here pretty soon. Uh, Over the last probably six weeks, we've kind of, my, my dad and I and our teaching team, we've kind of gone back and forth between the spirit. We talked about miracles. We talked about the spirit. And then over the last few weeks, we talked about prayer. And so, over the next probably four or five, six weeks leading up to Christmas season, we're going to be kind of going volleying, if that's a way to describe it, back and forth between prayer and the Spirit. Today, I want to um, ground our understanding of church, church life, uh, in um, Spirit talk. So, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to give you an exposition. Paul actually gives us an exposition of. Uh, our life as the people of God in a world that has gone crazy. Can I get an amen to that? All right, before I do that, I just want to thank Micah and Mel for their service. Man, I love you guys. We are going to miss you. But just so you know, as the lead pastor of this church, we are 100% behind them as they go to Ocean's Church and they serve in SoCal. SoCal is the second greatest place uh, in the world, but Idaho is God's country. Um, but we love you, and uh, over the last year and a half, we knew this was a direction of the Holy Spirit, but we're so, my wife and I are so proud of both of you and how you've served uh, our high school students. You guys have been extraordinary. You're not only extraordinarily gifted, uh, but what I love about both of you is how you love people. And so I want to thank you guys for everything that you've done. The best days are in front of you, and God has great things in store for you. Rob, I think Rob exited, I think he has, he's with the junior high right now, but how many of you love Rob? Love Rob. I'm so thankful for him. Not only is he a gifted uh, leader, um, but what I love about him is he's a man of God and he embodies integrity. And uh, as Shane mentioned uh, so eloquently, uh, Rob loves your kids. And uh, he's everywhere. I don't know how he does it. He just has so much energy. But he's, he's everywhere. He's at every football game. He's at the hospitals. He's at church. He's just amazing. And so we're so blessed to have uh, Rob as our youth pastor. And so our best days are in front of us uh, for our youth ministry. Uh, I also want to acknowledge Dan and Steph. I, are Dan and Steph? Dan and Steph. Dan and Steph. Dan and Steph. We love Dan and Steph. They grew up in our church. Everything they know, they got it from me. Like, totally kidding, but uh, they, last year, a year and a half ago, they transitioned down to Ocean Church, and they're serving Mark and Rochelle, and they're doing such a good job. We love you guys so much. Move back. I'm kidding. Stay there um, and serve, but we love you guys um, so much, so it's so good to see you guys here uh, today. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You got your Bibles? Uh, You can open up your Bible. If you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. We'll have it up behind me, I think up on the screen. And I'm going to read from my Bible. This is the English Standard uh, Translation. This is chapter 12, verse 1. The title, just to refresh our memory here, is, um, got to refresh my memory. I'm still figuring out the sickness thing, is uh, the spiritual church. Verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord, or Lord Kyrios, or Jesus is King, except in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm going to make a comment. This is just a pastoral observation. Please don't send me an email. I will not be kind-hearted in response, okay? I'm kidding, sort of. Uh, But when it comes to Kanye... Right? Online, I know there's kind of a controversy. Is Kanye genuine? Is he a Christian? Whatever. But Paul makes a case here that no one can say Jesus is king except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some people out there that are saying, like, hey, hey, Kanye, man, I don't know, maybe he's trying to exploit Christian music, trying to get money, he's really not authentic, all that kind of stuff. So wherever you stand on the side of Kanye, you love him or you dislike him. Can I just say something out of Philippians chapter 1? Paul says, hey, you know what, there are some people that preach Christ is king of the world um, out of good motives. And then there are some who preach out of envy and out of selfish ambition. But the good news is, is that whether they preach out of good motives or wrong motives, Christ as king is being preached. So don't send me any emails about how you think I'm wrong, because you're wrong if you disagree with this, right? Again, this isn't so much about Kanye. This is about right now, globally, there is a message out there that Jesus is the King of Kings. This is Revelation chapter 9, verse 6, people. He is the King of Kings, He is the Lord of Lords, right? And this is the heart of the good news. The good news is not good advice, it's good news about creation itself. Jesus, in other words, is the commander-in-chief over all of creation. So we say this a lot, but Jesus is Lord over everything from the White House to your house to the crack house. If we had outhouses today, I would say that, right? So anyway, in, in, in other words, there's nothing that lies outside the scope and the range of God's sovereign love. Not world history not the impeachment inquiry, right? Not the Republicans or the Democrats, not cancer, not your circumstances, not your lost son or daughter that's away from Jesus. There is nothing right now, this is good news, people. There's nothing that lies outside of God's loving sovereignty. Okay, I feel like preaching right now, right? 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that Christ died for our sins, and then he bodily came back from the dead. And then we find in Acts chapter 1, Jesus bodily ascended into heaven. Ascent does not mean absence from our earth. It means ascendancy. In other words, the ascent is the coronation of Jesus as king over the world. So Jesus right now presently in his bodily humanness is running world history. Right? And then he gave us his spirit. And so that's where we come here. This is what Paul is talking about. Jesus is Lord. And then in Acts chapter 2, he gave his spirit. Now we come to verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. We believe the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence right? Verse 7, Paul continues in his exposition. We usually call this chapter like the spiritual gifts uh, chapter, which is uh, really a wrong way of thinking about what Paul is um, uh, writing here. And uh, I'll get to that here pretty soon. But verse 7 then says, and this is Paul, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Now we have some more dramatic spiritual gifts. This this chapter, these few verses, are not without controversy, we'll talk about that. For one, uh, is given the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another, faith by the same spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another, the working of miracles. How many of you believe in miracles today? How many of you, just a show of hands, uh, how many of you believe that uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Right? Okay, another show of hands. How many of you have had a miracle happen? I mean, this is a genuine Bonafide miracle happen at least one time in your life. All right, just look around. Look at all the hands that are raised. We believe that God is still at work in our world. So this gift of miracles is given to uh, some people. And then he continues, we also have um, prophecies given to uh, some, to another, the ability to distinguish between the spirits, uh, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Right? Whether Jew or Greek, slave or free. Right at the foot of the cross, all things are level. All things are level, right? There is no hierarchy of blessing. Like there's some people who are blessed, right? Those are the pastors, the clergy. And then you have the lay people and they're not blessed. No, all are blessed as they're baptized into one body. And we talk about this a lot. And this is one of my favorite phrases in all the Bible. Paul then ends kind of in this clause, with this clause, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Not pina colada, right? We're all made to drink of one spirit, imbibe it. And we kind of fast forward down to um, verse 27. I'm almost done here. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed to the church first apostles, second prophets, their teachers, their miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all, and Paul's kind of being a little rhetorical, verse 29, are all apostles? Are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, verse 31, but earnestly, could you say that, earnestly, earnestly desire the higher gifts. And yet I will show you a still a more excellent way. I'm almost done. This is chapter 14, verse 1. And then pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And everyone said, amen. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray? Father, I thank you for your strength today. Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, you are here with us. Lord, as we talk about this chapter and we talk about you, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you would come and empower and encourage every son and daughter in this room Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your strength. If there's anyone in this room that needs strength, I ask you right now, as, we're, as as I spend about the next, let's say, 30 minutes talking, you would come and give strength to those who need it. Lord, I thank you that your grace is made perfect in our weakness. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you are here working in our lives. And Lord, I thank you for this bye week for the Cowboys. It means I don't have to get angry today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. All right, turn to your neighbor, give him a high five, tell him that you love him. All right, turn to your other neighbor and say, oh, man, go Packers, go Packers. Did I, did I actually say that, guys? Did I say that? Koki, what's wrong with me? Uh, do, we have, do we have any Patriot fans here? How many of you would like to be a Patriot fan? I would like to be a Patriot fan. From 2003 to 2019, you have won pretty much everything. How would it feel like going to every Sunday knowing that you would win, right? You're a winner. I would like to be a Patriot fan. God bless you guys. Um, so before I, before I get to First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, hey, man, if I could get a Gatorade, that would be um, awesome. No, no rush, no hurry. Uh, before we get into kind of just a brief ex- exposition of chapter 12, Um, And and I don't don't mean to glorify my sickness, but I'm going to walk you through because it's related to, uh, I think, uh, this this talk today. But over the last um, month, I've been, uh, as I mentioned before, I've never been more sick in my life. So I went to L.A., uh, had some things I was doing in there, and I came down with 104 temperature. Have you ever been sick like that? It's crazy. So I guess I had the flu. And at one point um, during the flu, Shane and I kind of had um, similar experiences When he has a fever, uh, he starts. He goes on like on a prophetic rant. Um, I I had a fever at 103.5, almost 101.04 ish, and I woke up in the middle of the night thinking that I was a Power Ranger. That's how sick I was. I was hallucinating. Um, Man, I was so sick and it was miserable. So again, I'm just trying to glorify sickness or anything. But that flu turned into bronchitis. I came home, uh, talked to the doctor, and he says, "Chris, you have bronchitis." So he gave me some medicine. So I was on this medicine for about, like, a week or so, and uh, I, I just, nothing was helping. So one Monday, about a week and a half ago or so, and change, I uh, went to the doctor, and, and I just, I, Kel remembers this, I woke up just feeling so sick, and I'm like, babe, I think I'm, like, dying here. There's just something, like, not right, right? So, like, it was hard for me to breathe and catch my breath. So I went to the doctor, they do x-rays, and the doctor told me that I had pneumonia. Have you ever had pneumonia before? pneumonia is no joke right and so for about a week and a half I couldn't function it was it was miserable like uh man I was like languishing in bed it it was I was at the point where I couldn't even think or write or it was hard to talk my wife quarantined me from the kids I couldn't even touch my own kids right and um it was just it was a very difficult experience but when you're sick and I think we've all been sick um again not trying to glorify thank you Shane can you get up for Shane But when you're sick, I think we all had this similar experience, man. You long uh, for the days of not being sick, right? And you realize when you're sick how we take our health for granted. Pneumonia is—it's a what is it? It's a breathing sickness, right? And with pneumonia, I could not function. It was hard. I—it I, I, was hard to function. Just it was hard to even get up, right, and move around. I was just languishing in bed. Why are we talking about pneumonia? Well. It's funny if you take the English word pneumonia. It's not funny. It's interesting. You take the English word pneumonia, and you can trace the etymology of the word all the way back to the Greek word used for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And the Greek word used for the Holy Spirit is pneuma. Turn to your neighbor and say pneuma. Pneuma and pneumonia are related. Remember, pneumonia is what? It's, it's a breathing disease. Pneuma, which is a reference to the Holy Spirit, uh, means wind or breath, right? And one thing I realized with having pneumonia is that breath, everyone say breath, breath is non-negotiable for being alive, right? Breathing, right, is is essential for doing just basic functional things, right? Not just for being alive, not just being human, just you know, just surviving. You have to have breath. Well, pneumonia again is related to that Greek word pneuma. Pneuma means breath. And I want to make a case here today. As we get into kind of this little exposition of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that you and I, as not just when it comes to being alive and not just when it comes generally to being human, but when it comes to following Jesus, believing and loving and serving and building for the kingdom of God for the sake of our world, being a church built in such a way that the gates of hell shall not prevail. What that requires is that we not only live in the Spirit, what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, but we also have to walk in the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit of God is absolutely essential for following Jesus. Having the Spirit of God walking and keeping in step with the Holy Spirit is essential for breaking addictions It's essential for raising your family. Uh, It's essential for living out the vocation that God has for each and every one of us. Right? The Spirit of God is absolutely, absolutely a non-negotiable for followers of Jesus. And I want to make a case before I get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that not only do we find uh, the Greek word pneuma, which means um, wind and breath, which is a reference to the Holy Spirit, its counterpart in the Old Testament is ruach. Everyone say ruach. Ruach also means wind and breath. And I want to just trace a little history to talk about how indispensable the role of the Holy Spirit is in our life. We find in the creation story, in the opening chapters, in Genesis chapter 1, Verse 2, that the spirit, the ruach, or the breath of God, hovered over the the tohu wabu, right, the the wasteland, which is in the Hebrew, the, the desert wasteland. It's the ruach, the breath of God, that hovers over this dystopian wasteland and then moves over the water in order to prepare a suitable place for his image bearers. In other words, God, we find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, created space and time and matter, brains and bodies, all the raw materials that we see in this world, and a land suitable for his first image bearers by the Spirit. We fast forward to Exodus chapter 35, 30-33, and we have Bezalel. And uh, we find that he is given the responsibility to build the tabernacle. The tabernacle is like a little microcosmos. And the text reads that he's filled with the ruach. Could you say the ruach? Remember, the ruach in the Hebrew is translated the spirit of God. And he's filled with all intelligence and craftsmanship in order to build the tabernacle. The tabernacle is an architectural microcosmos. Again, that's fancy talk because it's linked all the way back to creation. So we find that even the craftsmanship and the building, right, of a tabernacle requires the spirit of God in Bezalel's life. We then fast forward to the New Testament. And uh, we have a lot of apocry- apocryphal accounts of Jesus's. Um, um, early life, performing miracles, um, et cetera, as a boy. But all these stories were fictionalized for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Jesus, in other words, um, didn't perform any miraculous deeds until the, his baptism in the spirit that we find in Mark chapter 1 uh, and Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 as well. In other words, the baptism of Jesus in the spirit was the sine qua non of Jesus's power. Uh, can I just get, go through, just kind of give you a history of how important the Spirit of God is? Right? We come to Acts chapter 10, verse 38, and it says that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, and he was filled with, anointed with power, and he healed all those who were oppressed by the devil, right? He was a healer, and he healed all those who were oppressed by the devil. So Jesus had to rely on the Spirit of God to inaugurate the kingdom of God to heal those who were sick. Right? So if God, Yahweh, that we find in the Genesis chapter 1 and 2 creation stories, required the Holy Spirit to build out the vast architecture of space and time and matter, right? All the raw materials. If Bezalel required the Holy Spirit and all the intelligence that the Holy Spirit would give to build the tabernacle, if Jesus required the Spirit, to perform miracles, and to inaugurate the kingdom of God. Wow, I think, man, we need the spirit of God in our lives, right? We find even in, in, in uh, the, the book of Acts, uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, the church um, as a sign of new, new creation was baptized in the spirit um, but the church did not really perform miracles or embody self-giving love or live by faith in their own right or on their own ter- terms or in their own power. It was by the Spirit of God. And I want to make this very clear in Galatians chapter 5. Paul gives an imperative and says, Yeah, we live in the Spirit. We, in other words, we live in the age of the Spirit. Jesus is what? The, the chief, the commander in chief over all things in creation. So all things now fall under King Jesus. He's over world history, and he's over your body, and he's over your family, and he's over your mind, he's over your psyche, he's over depression, he's over all those different things. Can I get an amen, church? So he's over all things, and we are now living in the age of the Spirit. We're not living in the age of America. Right, We're not living in the age of self-help talk or, or therapeutic materialism or a scientific worldview or, or a constitutional republic. We live in the age of the Spirit, which means that Jesus is over all things. But Paul says even though we live in the age of the Spirit, and he's not being rhetorical, if we live in the age of the Spirit, we also have to make sure that we keep in step with the Spirit, which means that we can have available to us All the things that God wants to give us, all the things that the stuff of the Spirit of God wants to to operationalize in our lives, but still not walk them out in our daily lives. So, we come to this brief exposition. Are you with me? First Corinthians chapter 12. I just want to say this really quick. This is just an aside before I just kind of break down this passage really quick. Let me just say this really uh, as clearly as I can. The spirit, the Ruach that we find in the Old Testament and the Pneuma that we find in the New Testament is not, and sorry Star Wars fans, okay, is not some cosmic life force, right? We don't believe in the force be with you. Hey, that's great in Star Wars, right? Luke, whatever. Um, But what we find is the spirit is not some super universal consciousness, He's not some animated creative force that exists tangentially to the Godhead. What we find woven throughout scripture is the spirit is a person. Amen. He's absolutely essential for being alive and for following Jesus and loving our enemies, right? And living in faith and doing all that God has called us to do for the sake of the world in our city. We have some people here this morning. Can I get an amen to that? The Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for that. And he is, yes, God's empowering presence, but the Spirit of God is a person. The Bible uses, how do we know this, Chris? Well, the Bible uses personal masculine pronouns to refer to the Spirit. Uses a neuter noun, which goes against the grammar that we find in the original language, which in John chapter 14, verse 26, 15, 26, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Chapter 16, 13, and 14 in Ephesians 1, 14 indicates that clearly John and Paul thought of the Spirit not as a creative, simply creative, animating, universal force that God uses to make things happen. No, John and Paul thought of the Spirit as a person. In fact, what we find is that the Holy Spirit is our helper, he's our comforter, he's our strengthener, he's our counselor, he's our supporter, he's our advisor, he's our advocate, he's our ally. All of these terms in the original language only apply to personhood. They do not apply to abstract things. So when we find in John 14, 16 and and verse 26 and uh, chapter 15, verse 26 and John 16, verse 7. I got to go through these scriptures. And 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 is that clearly the New Testament sees the spirit not as some Lucan force, right? The force be with you. Not some super universal animating consciousness. No, the spirit of God is a person, Who does personal works. So he teaches and reminds us. We find this in Luke chapter 12 verse 12. He bears witness to the truth. We find this in John chapter 15 verse 26. He guides and he hears and he speaks to us. John 16 verse 13. He glorified Jesus and discloses him to the world and also to his disciples. Uh, We find that Jesus and the Holy Spirit have a mind. Romans 8 verse 27. He has knowledge, absolute knowledge. He has a will, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. He loves, right? The Holy Spirit is poured out into our heart, and he fills us with his love, Romans 15, 30. The Holy Spirit can be grieved, Ephesians 4, 30. Next year I mentioned this um, first service, but I'm really going to go after the fear of the Lord. I think we got to start talking about the fear of the Lord. We just, we just kind of are so nonchalant with, oh, I'm just going to make any decision that I want to make, and I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and it's going to be okay because I feel like it. I think we need to start talking about the fear of the Lord. It is possible that, yeah, you can grieve the Holy Spirit, right? There are some things that we need to condemn. We can condemn in, in love, right? We can condemn and still forgive. Can I get an amen to that? But there are dehumanizing habits and attitudes that can corrupt us and keep us from the life that God has for us. We also know that the Holy Spirit cries out. The Holy Spirit leads and, 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 and is a witness of Jesus and his work in us. He shows us things. We find this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8. He speaks. We do not serve a God that is silent. We live in a communicating cosmos. We know that God speaks to us. Every single day. Uh, Yes, the Holy Spirit can be sinned against. Yes, the Holy Spirit can be lied to. Yes, the Holy Spirit can be insulted. But the Holy Spirit is there to encourage and to comfort his people. So when we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we find that the Holy Spirit is a non-negotiable when it comes to ecclesiology. So whether you're Episcopalian, whether you're a Methodist, Shoot, whether you're a non-denom person, whether you're a hyper-Pentecostal, Nazarene, you don't like raising your hands. I don't know if Nazarenes like to raise their hands or not. I'm not poking, I love Nazarenes, right? That's my, that's our roots here. Whether you're Wesleyan, um, um, Armenian, Calvinist, whatever, whatever faith tradition you come from. We first have to acknowledge that our life before God as the people of God, lived for the sake of the world, absolutely requires the presence of the spirit of God. Absolutely essential. So in First Corinthians chapter 12, we have a pivotal exposition of the work of the Spirit in the followers of Jesus. Paul summarizes an astonishing variety of manifestations of the Spirit. Like there's a lot, there's a diversity of gifts that the Holy Spirit brings to his spirit or to his church. The common teaching, right? This is commonplace. I've heard this a lot is that this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is simply teaching about spiritual gifts, right? We come to 1 Corinthians 12 and we just talk about all, all the gifts that God gives to us, which is secondary. In fact, Paul, when he writes this, is not talking about spiritual gifts. He's actually talking about the ways in which God empowers his people by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember, just like pneumonia, right, is a breathing disease. And when you have pneumonia, you realize that, man, breath is absolutely non-negotiable for life. We also begin to realize that the Holy Spirit as the pneuma, as a person, is absolutely essential to be who God has called us to be. We can't be a church in this city where the gates of hell do not prevail without the Holy Spirit. Now, hey, I believe, here's the, here's the problem, is we've so collapsed our reality. I've been in ministry a long time, and I've seen this happen in a lot of churches. Where And what I mean by collapsing reality is that we simply reduce the church to good, nice programs. And let me just say this really quick. I, really quick. I believe in really good programs, right? I'm glad we have great programs with, with our kids I'm glad we have an assimilation program where we can communicate to you guys and you guys can communicate to us. But we, in in effect, cannot bring and inaugurate the kingdom of God simply through good and nice programs. Are you hearing me this morning? Like I'm so stinking glad we have good coffee that we can offer you, not burnt coffee, can I get an amen to that, when you come in? And we have hopefully uh, a friendly environment that you can meet and mingle. And hopefully you like, hopefully, you like some of the songs that we play. And sometimes we might be a little too Pentecostal for you, sometimes we might be a little too Episcopalian for you. Doesn't matter, right? Hopefully that what we do um, is is nice and suitable for what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. And I'm not trying to play off good programs. With the Spirit, I think you can have good programs and the Spirit, but we got to be careful not to collapse building the kingdom through programs alone. Are you hearing me? The way we reach people in this city, the way we unapologetically declare that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords isn't just through a Sunday morning class. We need some freedom in order to do that. We need to be empowered. Am I preaching too hard this morning? We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need God's breath to come into our lives so we can be who God has called us to be for the sake of our neighbors, for the sake of those who do not know Jesus. So the Holy Spirit, we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in this nice little exposition of Paul, is given to us when we declare that Jesus Christ is king. And it's also given to us so we can fulfill, not our personal dreams, right, of making it big, being the next billionaire CEO. And again, if that's what happened in your life, that's great. But the Holy Spirit is given to us so we can fulfill his mission. His mission, right? His kingdom. So when we come to um, verse one, and I'm gonna like uh, flesh this out a little bit more, this Idea of spiritual gifts, um, we find in verse 1 all the way through the end of verse 9, does not come close to the rich diversity that we find of the Spirit's work in our lives, which come through lifelong abilities. When you were born, everyone in this room was given a gift by God. Everyone in this room has at least one gift. I was a little facetious, right? You have more than one gift. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. We have been given lifelong abilities innate as we were born by the Holy Spirit. We, we also find that as we declare that Jesus Christ is king and we start to follow him, we're also given new given abilities. We also find at times, and I get this from Gary Brashears, a theological mentor of mine, that we receive momentary manifestations where the Holy Spirit comes on us and we start to do things that we never thought we could do. So we come to verse one. The common translation of verse one is spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts is misleading because the word gifts is not in the Greek original of this verse. In fact, nowhere in the book does Paul use, 1 Corinthians, does Paul use the term spiritual gift. Paul speaks of spirituals, right, which focuses on the things of the Spirit or the stuff that the Spirit of God does. How the Spirit moves forward in our lives in the mission of Jesus through us. That's the focus. Many times when we translate spiritual gifts, this word spirituals as spiritual gifts, we assume that there's a hierarchy of those who are blessed in the church and those who are not blessed. Um, Paul is making it very clear in verse 13 that every follower of Jesus has been made to drink of the Spirit. What is that a reference to? It's a reference to the stuff that the Spirit of God does in our lives. So let me just say this really quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is not, and it, it, the emphasis is not on the gifts of the Spirit. Its, its emphasis is on the gift of the Spirit. In modern English usage, and here's the problem, the word spiritual means immaterial, esoteric, subjective, mystical, all that kind of stuff. But in the Bible, being a spiritual or being a part of fully participating in the stuff that the Spirit of God does, it simply means to be animated or made alive by the Holy Spirit. So God, in other words, wants to empower you so you can fulfill the mission that he has for you. For the sake of those people who do not know him. So God has gifted himself to us. See, the big problem, though, and I, I got I to make this clear. The big problem when it comes to this passage and why this is such a controversy is that um, many people struggle with walking in the spirit because they, um, whether they admit it or not, they ascribe to like a functional cessationism. Let me just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clarify that term. Cessationism is the idea that the stuff that the Spirit of God does, performing miracles through his people, prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, somehow died out around the 3rd or 4th century with the close of the canon. So yes, in theory, a functional cessationist will say something like this, in theory they believe that miracles can happen. In theory they believe that God can continue to speak But because of all the abuses and the tragic misuses of the gifts, which they assume is rampant, that they just say it's better that we avoid such things. These folks then, these are functional cessationists. This is kind of the dominant perspective of a lot of people in the church, okay? Maybe not this church, maybe not a church that you've been a part of. But really when you look at North America, this is a dominant perspective way of thinking about First Corinthians 12. Yeah, in theory, I believe God can do miracles. Yeah, in theory, I think God can maybe do a dramatic thing. But um, I never experienced those things, nor do I expect them to happen in my life. A lot of people kind of walk around with this idea that, yes, Jesus, and they kind of give lip, lip service to Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, but they don't really expect God to do a miracle. So what they do is they simply just rely on the Bible. We need to rely on Scripture. Can I get an amen? Amen. We believe in sola scriptura, right? Scripture alone. We've talked about this, and I don't think I need to clarify this. Anything that contradicts Scripture uh, does not come from God. Well, what they simply do is we're just going to rely on um, some conventional wisdom, but we don't really expect God to speak us, which in effect is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you don't expect the stuff that the Spirit of God does in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's no wonder, am I talking to someone here today? It's no wonder that people don't experience the things that the Spirit of God wants to do in their life. If you don't expect, that becomes essentially a quasi-act, speech-act where you're projecting into your future something that God's not going to do. And when you don't expect God to do something, you won't get into the experience that God has for you. And the stuff that God wants to do for you is available for every follower of Jesus. So this is, imp- this is important. We first have to challenge the idea um, that um, cessationism is a viable theory. I think there are a lot of good people that believe this, but I think there are a lot of good people that are wrong, right? And I've talked about this at length and very at, at, on a technical level uh, about a year and a half ago. You can go certainly online and you can get that message. I'm not going to talk more about that. But it's important that we challenge this idea and we have to identify if it's, if it's at work in us. Some of you don't even realize how functionally cessationist you are. You just kind of, you go through your life expecting God not to do much for you. The second thing, in, in combination with, and again, this is a big problem with First Corinthians chapter 12, and what we're talking about as the Holy Spirit wants to do some things in our lives. The thing that works with functional cessationism is that everyone in this room is a raging materialist. You're a raging materialist. I'm sorry, you've grown up in a North American Environment, which has been shaped by a hyper-scientific or hyper-modern worldview. And if it's not material, we reject it, right? When we think of spiritual, what do we think of? As I mentioned before, we think of immaterial. We think of esoteric. We think of, of what? We think of, of goofballs, weird things happening. We think of Jim Jones. We think, maybe not all of you, right? But when you think of spiritual, you think of cults, right, and Kool-Aid right? Spiritual? No, 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 no. we're not going to do that. So what we do is we collapse our reality and we try to build the kingdom of God through materialist means, right? We'll put together programs and we'll do what the world is doing and we'll try to reach people for Jesus. It's simply a collusion with a hyper-scientific modern worldview. Now, as I said before, we will have the best programs in this city. Can I get an amen? That serve people. But we don't build the kingdom by our power alone, by our strength alone, by our wisdom alone, by our own resources, by our own power. We build for the kingdom of Jesus by the Spirit of God, through the spirituals. So we have, again, on this is prima facie. Like on the surface, we have two problems, functional assassination, assassination. Not assassinationism, uh, cessationism, working with raging materialism that keeps us from experiencing what we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But what Paul is saying is this isn't just a spiritual gifts passage. He gives us an exposition and he tells us this is not about spiritual gifts. This is about all the things that the Spirit of God wants to do in us. And he starts in verse 4 as I close here. And he says the Spirit is the one who enables us, including Kanye. Again, you better not send me an email this week. I'll respond in kindness, but I'll correct you. Anyways, that the Spirit empowers us to say that Jesus is Lord. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. This is both the initial confession when at conversion, uh, when we connect with Jesus, and when we connect with the body or the church that we find Um, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Then we come to verse 4, and again, I'm just going to break this down really quick. Paul then speaks of gifts. Again, this is the umbrella of the spirituals. We are a spiritual church. He speaks of the gifts, the charisma. These are any abilities that you have the Spirit can pick up, animate, magnify. In the words of Gary Breshears, repurpose to carry on the work of Jesus in our world. It's any spirit-empowered ability that is used in the ministry of the church. So we see a list of gifts also, as, as a complement to this passage in Romans chapter 12, 6 through 8. And what you find is this astonishing variety of gifts. While there are many different kinds of gifts, ranging from the working of miracles, which are more dramatic, to quite natural administration of gifts, all are spirit please hear me, all are spirit-empowered abilities and continue the mission of Jesus for the sake of the world. In other words, the list that we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 of the spirituals and the stuff that the Spirit of God does is illustrative. It's not exhaustive. In other words, there are so many things that Paul did not mention that God wants to empower In your life. So, we could, in theory, not in theory, but in principle, we could say, yes, there is a spiritual gift of plumbing if God empowers you and you connect it with the mission of Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Yes, there is a spiritual gift of Microsoft Word. How many of you hate Microsoft Word, right? I'm a, I don't like Microsoft Word. It's just too confusing. Some of you have a gift for Microsoft Word. Some of you have a gift for administration. Some of you have a gift for hospitality. Some of you have a gift for so many different things that might not be included on this list. But God is the one, and Paul, because of the variety that we find in this passage, indicates that there are so many more gifts that God has given you, that God wants to repurpose for the sake of the kingdom of God. I think the problem when it comes to spirit talk, and this might be if you grew up in a hyper-Pentecostal church, this could be your problem, is that you simply associate the dramatic with the spirit of God. So you essentially say, if it's not performing miracles, if I don't have a word of wisdom, if I don't fall under the spirit, if I'm not waving a flag and hitting people on the face or whatever, right? If I'm not doing spirit activity, or in some cases, some people just associate weirdness with the spirit. If I'm not weird, if I'm not being dramatic, then it's not the spirit. Let me just say this really quick. I think God does move in dramatic ways. So let's not box the Holy Spirit in. But I also don't think everything that's dramatic comes from the Holy Spirit. Right? Right? And then there are other people that maybe grew up in more maybe mainline denomina- uh, denominations they are part of the charismatic movement that really want to focus on the private use of the gifts, and I think that's great. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us, Paul tells us, that we need to bring order right to these spiritual things that God has for us for the sake of the church and for the sake of mission and for the sake of the world. But sometimes we pit over and against right these private gifts Over the dramatic gifts. Sometimes God will move dramatically. Sometimes God will move in personal, very private ways. Let's not box the Holy Spirit in, right? And I think a lot of people, again, let me just say this as I bring full circle. We get intimidated when we talk about spiritual things or the stuff the Spirit of God does. is because we don't think we have all these dramatic gifts, right? No, uh, Paul is making it explicit here that the stuff that the Spirit of God does in you is about taking the gifts that he's given you, repurposing them, empowering you so you can build up everyone in this room and even those outside of the church. Then we move into verse five. Verse five goes on to speak of services or ministries, the place or role, in other words, of where Christians are called by God to serve inside and outside the church. We see a list of services in Ephesians 4.11. There are many other inside services, such as being an elder, such as being a deacon, such as being a worship leader, such as being a children's teacher, as well as community services. I felt like this, um, I felt like I had a prophetic word for service, and I feel like I have a prophetic word um, right now, just to kind of practice what I'm talking about. I do feel like there are some people in this room that God wants to make aware of a leadership gift that he's given you, and i i think it's time for you i don't know if you've rejected this i don't know if you're not even aware of this gift in your life but i do believe you're entering into a season where the holy spirit is making you aware of a leadership gift and that the holy spirit's going to open up doors for you to start leading in this church it could be children's ministry it could be youth ministry it could be maybe god's calling you to be an elder now we need to confirm that and that's not going to happen tomorrow right That could be a a time, right, a duration where the Holy Spirit's going to build that into your life. But there are some people here today, either you resisted it or you just haven't been aware of it. But there is a ministry, there's a service that is associated with a leadership responsibility that God wants to give you in this next season. Are you hearing me this morning? Then we transition to verse 6. Paul then speaks of workings or activities These are the things that the Spirit of God does. It is a very general reference to all sorts of things that the Spirit does in and through followers of Jesus. And then we come finally to verse 7. He speaks of the manifestations of the Spirit, and he gives a list of them in verses 8 through 11. And we have words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the prophetic. We're not going to get into those here today, the performing of, of miracles. Essentially what Paul is saying is all the range of these astonishing variety of gifts are for the sake of the church. It's the Spirit who comes and gifts us and empowers us so we can serve each other, we can edify each other, we can encourage each other so we can build for the sake of the kingdom of Jesus. Because without each other, we can't be who God has called us to be. And without the Spirit of God, we can't do what God's called us to do in this world which needs people Followers of Jesus who are empowered by the spirit of the living God. People who are overcoming, right, addictions. People who are overcoming the hatred and the hostility and the wrath and the polarization that we experience in our culture right now. People that go through very difficult times. We just need people, yeah, I don't, yeah, that's just, that's not the Holy Spirit, that's my hand, right? That's not a sign of judgment, okay? Uh, Don't think that. But we need people who are empowered, who can build for the kingdom of God, who are filled with the Spirit, who can declare that Jesus Christ is King. We need more artists who can do that. Come on, somebody. We need more entrepreneurs who can do that. We need more plumbers who can do that. We need more construction workers who can do that. We need more preschool workers who can do that. We need more teachers and administrators and principals. Whatever God has called you to do, we need people who are empowered by the Spirit, who are not weird, but are living for the sake of the kingdom. Let me say this story really quick. I think it's important that we, that we ask for these gifts as I close. And I know I've gone way too long. Um, Let me just end here. We really need to ask for these gifts because it brings, these gifts are not just for us, right? They're for each other. I remember as a young man, I was uh, 12 years old, went to a camp, it was a pastor who came. and He was speaking and then at at the end of his talk, I was sitting in the back and uh, he saw me, he was praying over some people, he came in the back and he knew I was Pastor Ken and Connie Wilde's um, son. He didn't really know me though. So he stopped and he looked at me and he says, um, Chris, I want to pray for you. And, I, and, and he goes on to say, I feel like I have a word from God for you. And I remember thinking at that time I was 12, 13. And all I wanted to be was like MJ, right? I wanted to be like Mike, I wanted to play basketball. So he, and this is, it's funny, it's amazing. He said, Chris, I know you, you want to be an athlete. I know you want to play basketball. Let me just tell you that God's going to let you be a boy for a time. He's going to let you play all these sports that that God has gifted you in amazing ways. He didn't say that. I just had to foot that. Thank you, Joel. Uh, I wish he would have said you're such an extraordinary athlete. He didn't. He goes, he's going to let you for a season be a boy, but then there's going to be a time when he's going to give you major responsibility in the kingdom of God and that God's gonna give you a gift of wisdom. And I remember thinking at the time, this is literally the word that went through my mind, crap, right? It's like, I want, I mean, come on, you're 12, you wanna be like MJ back then, right? This is like the late 80s, early 90s, I mean, who didn't wanna be like MJ? And he gave me a word, and this word, and I've said this so many times, has shaped the arc of my life. It's funny, the moment, it didn't mean much, but this word of knowledge combined with some wisdom is what shaped my ministry life, which when I've gone through very difficult times has been a go-to word that has brought life and encouragement to me. We need more of that in the church. So what do we do this week? I'm gonna give you just a few things and then then I'm gonna be done. Number one, we find in verse 31, it says, and I've said this before, but I want you to hear me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31 says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, the best gifts. Earnestly desire, earnestly desire to get a word of wisdom. Earnestly desire to get a word of knowledge. Don't be be afraid of it. Don't don't associate the stuff that the Spirit of God does with immaterial weirdness where we drink Kool-Aid and we dance around with snakes, right? And we drink poison. Stop that. That's immaturity, And we're not going to play to that caricature. Can Someone high-five someone because that's a really good point. We're not going to play to that, right? That ain't going to happen in this church. We are going to be a spirit-empowered church. But here's the thing. This week, if you want to fully participate in the things that the Spirit of God does, Paul explicitly says you have to earnestly desire the higher gifts. I've broken down this word before many times but to be earnest means to be eager. It comes from a picture of a solid being melted down by heat to the point where it begins to glow. Right. It, it, it also describes water boiling over. This is a, a way to describe your relationship with the stuff that the Spirit of God does. You're supposed to boil over with expectation. You're supposed to be earnest for the, for the stuff that the Spirit of God does does my translation is be radioactive that probably doesn't work right but glow right set yourself figuratively on fire i had to qualify for for the stuff that god does you have here's the thing if you don't expect it if you're not earnest for it it ain't gonna happen and you're gonna live a life 30, 40 years down the road where you're gonna look back, you're like, oh, maybe Chris was right. Maybe I was a functional cessationist. Maybe I just thought that miracles could happen in theory. Maybe I thought the stuff the Spirit of God does maybe just ha- happens for you know, all the clergy and all the pastors, but I can never experience it. Let's, let's stop buying into that false idea and let's believe that all of us here have been baptized into the body and all of us have been made to drink of the Spirit. But here's the thing, here's the thing. If we're not careful, we can become earnest for so many different things. So as we pray, I want you to to ask the Holy Spirit, are are you more earnest, more eager for maybe even really good things? over and against what we're talking about, the stuff the Spirit of God does? I, I, maybe for some of us, I'm not saying all of us, maybe some of us need to reprioritize our earnestness, our focus. Are we, are we, are we passionate about this stuff? Are we just like, ah, oh, we'll just let the pastor do all that kind of stuff. We'll let the pastor come up with words of knowledge and, and um, administration and all that kind of stuff, but I'm just going to kind of just lay around, right? Um, I, I think maybe for some of us we need to reprioritize Making first things first. If we make first things first, in the words of C.S. Lewis, second things will be thrown in as well, right? If we prioritize really focusing on the stuff the Spirit of God does, that's when God begins to break out in our church. That's when God begins to break out in our city. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you, how do you practice being earnest? Well, this, is, this might shock you, but you have to ask for it. This week, how do we practice being earnest? Like, just go out, just act really intense, right? Well, no, I think the way you do this is, that was stupid, but anyways, let's move on. You you gotta stink and ask for it. Matthew chapter seven, right? What does it say? Seven through 11. If you being evil know how to give good good gifts to your children, how much will, will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's so simple, but it's so profound. Ask the Holy Spirit the stuff that the Spirit of God does, and I guarantee you something will happen So we close. So we need to develop an earnestness for the stuff that the Spirit of God does. Number two, we need to ask, right? This is practically how we do this this week. Ask God to give us those things so we can participate in that. And finally, number three is find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Paul says, you must pursue Agape. What does pursue mean? Pursue means to go after something. And so we close here, and I want to pray for you. A couple years ago, my wife and I and our family, we lived downtown off 8th Street. 8th Street was really busy. We have a little multi It's about 10 pounds. His name is Theodore. Could you say Theodore? Cutest little dog, but he is just stubborn, stubborn little dog. This is what he would do. He would wait for days. We would open the door. The kids would open the door, and he would wait for the perfect time to get out of the house and run as far as he could right down the road what what made it problematic is we have cars right coming down the street and Theodore at times would dart in and out of traffic and and then I was the one designated to go get the dog right and so many times if you went down 8th street happened about once a week I was chasing after Theodore yelling his name right if you ever had a dog and they want to get out, and you try everything. You're you're saying their name, like you're saying treats, treat, 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 right? And then you look around, and you're like Theodore, I'm gonna kill you, right? And then you're like, and you just you try everything, and they just man, our dog. Sometimes one time he was lost for about an hour, and I had to chase after my dog. Well, I think this is what Paul is saying about agape and love. Okay, you gotta hear me, please hear me. If you wanna participate in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you have to be earnest for the, the best gifts. You have to ask the Holy Spirit for him to speak to you. But number three, you have to chase after, like I chase after my dog, right, when he gets out. You have to pursue love more than anything else. The stuff that the Spirit of God does in us is not for our own sake, it's for each other. It's for the sake of the mission of God in this city. It's for the sake of the world, right? It's for the sake of people who are thoroughly corrupted and need to hear the good news about Jesus. Come on. And in order for us, I believe that sometimes the Holy Spirit will not answer certain things, right? Because our request is not shaped by love. Pursue love like you're chasing after a dog, if we pursue agape love, if we pursue self-giving love, if we pursue loving our enemy, if we pursue, okay, God, I'm asking for these gifts, but it's not for me, it's for the sake of my church and for the sake of the people in this city. That's when God will break out in extraordinary ways in our church and in our city and in our nation. And how many of you think our nation needs a move of God once again? Amen. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I thank you for your grace. I know we went really long, but I thank you for this word. This is a defining word for our church. We are are the spirituals church. I thank you that everything we do comes as a result of a gift from the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I thank you that we can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just ask as our eyes are closed. Several things will begin to happen, not only today, but in this week. The Holy Spirit, you begin to reveal yourself as you always do in personal ways. Lord, I thank you that some people here today, they need to know you as their strength this week. are some people in here, they need to know you as their advocate. There are some people in this room that need encouragement, right? They're out of it, they don't know how to get through this season. They have lost their strength. They've lost their heart. They've lost their mind, baby. Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now, in this holy moment, you would reveal yourself as an encourager, as one who gives strength, as one who gives grace to those who are weary and tired and need strength. And if that's you with, with your eyes closed, you say, Chris, that's me. I, I've lost my heart. I've lost my strength. I need the Holy Spirit to come and give me strength. Could you just raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you, anyone like that. Okay, thank you for your honesty. Put your hands down. Lord, I thank you that that's happening right now. You're revealing yourself personally to everyone who's tired, everyone who's who's trying to fight the good fight of faith, but they've lost their strength and their energy. This week, I thank you for a breakthrough. I thank you that you're gonna change things in dramatic ways in the life of your sons and daughters. And Lord, I ask you, finally, that we would be a church built, not just on the stuff that the Spirit of God does, but we would be a church built on the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings us. Lord, let us, I thank you that over the next few weeks and few months, we're, we're gonna see you do incredible things in our lives. And we just say yes to that. Holy Spirit, whatever you wanna do, do. Whatever you wanna say, say in us. And this week, Lord, we make a commitment just to simply open up our hearts. Lord, we present our request to you. Lord, we just ask, Holy Spirit, you would come and you begin to operationalize your gifts in us for the sake of the world. In your name we pray. We love you, and everyone said amen. Can you give Jesus a hand this morning?